0: We're joined by one of the most respected lyricists in the world, Razkaz. How are you doing, bro?
1: I am chilling like a villain. Yes, yes.
0: (laughs) Let's jump right into it, eh? So just taking it back, taking it way back now. Um, I mean, at what age did you get into hip hop? And what inspired you to get into hip hop, writing and and you know, writing down your lyrics and
1: probably uh well uh 15-ish, 14-ish.
0: Okay.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Wow, well, okay. <clears throat> what was your first experience with hip-hop? Did you, did you hear it on the street or did you hear it on the radio? I, or? I
2: heard it...
1: Uh, <clears throat> it already existed. I just was... Um, I don't come from a musical family, so there wasn't a lot of listening to the radio. Um, my father was just not a big music person um, at the time. Uh, and... My mother listened to uh, Christian music. She listened to opera. Um, the the extent of music I would hear on the radio was going to be, you know, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, that type of stuff. So um, it, it was it existed. I just wasn't it wasn't in my uh, peripheral. Sure.
2: Um, and I do remember being really, really young and going to
1: Louisiana to, for a family reunion. And my cousins played that song, Jam On It. I was really, really little. But I do I recall hearing that, Jam On It, Jam On It. I do remember that. Sure. Um, and I thought it was cool, you know. Um, and then all other stuff, I thought it was cool, you know. Michael Jackson and Run The MC. I thought it was all cool, you know. <laughs> I think what resonated for me more was, you know, like, you must learn, cares one, um, I think two, two things that stand out in my brain are cares one, uh, you must learn and uh, Ice Cube or uh, 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 NWA the police. Like those two really resonated in my brain. As like when I was like, oh, like what is this and then hearing Rakim and then you know just really hearing Rakim and um Big Daddy Kane and you know and then I kind of went backwards and just read you know like it always existed I took aware I got very aware of it and then I kind of had to learn backwards uh you know and uh do my history my due diligence about it and then I I just fell in love I just thought it was the coolest thing ever made another standout for me was uh well that's later But I I remember hearing, uh, I was already a hip-hop head by then, but I remember when my friend Dags played uh, Above the Law, Untouchable, and I just, you know, uh, I knew I had heard that music, The Doors, because they sampled The Doors. Oh, yeah. And it was but just what they did with it was so fucking it was hard, and I just thought it was one of the hardest things I had ever heard. Wow. And I'd be in a van, like an eighteen dirty van, and he just kept playing. I was like, "Man, this shit is the best song we've ever made." Yeah, so yeah, man, hip hop, man, it regrow some brain cells, you know, in its purest form. Exactly,
0: exactly. I like that. I like that. I mean, what, what was the what was the process from that to recording your your, your first album in nineteen
1: ninety six? It was a long process. <clears throat> um, Having fun, hobby, joke, we would make, uh, my friend Bird had a a sampler, Uh, he had a mixer with like a six, seven second sampler on it, and I had a technique turntable, and so we just kind of put our stuff together and kept it in my garage, and then we started just grabbing vinyls, so from whatever, you know sister uncle grandparent whatever we start putting all our records together his mother had a lot of soul records um going to like record stores buying like the dollar finals you know whatever <clears throat> so we amassed a pretty you know few crates of some cool shit. and uh we would battle we would make these tapes um like i'd like i'd get an hour in the garage to go through all the records and I would and we had a mic and then like in a freestyle you make your song mm-hmm. so we make an album on one side then the other person would go and make an album on the other side and we play the album basically the album was us dissing each other and so it went from there man it was just a hobby it was fun um to battle cat he, uh, he gave one of the tapes to battle cat which was crazy super crazy
2: yeah.
1: uh, the fact that battle cat listened to the tape is crazier because he was older than us, and we were like these stupid kids. And I don't know why he even took the time to listen, but he came back, and he was like, you're dope rapping, and you're dope at Beatsburg. And he took us under his wing and uh,
2: developed us, you know? Wow, wow. That's like the beginning. Man. 90... 90, 91, okay. 91 or something. Like sure. like, yeah. He's like stupid kids, you know what
1: I mean? Like, and then uh, I, 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 from that, I went to juvenile hall. Knowing before that, from that, I met I really met Wino, who produced all the Coolio stuff, Kansas Paradise, and all that stuff. So Wino. It was a neighborhood OG and then he took he helped me develop myself even more went to jail I came back out um but then Coolio was popping sure and uh they took me out with them and you know and then i I, I kind of reestablished uh my mu- my music you know got back in the studio and and you know probably within a year or two I, I had like you know my first offers or not my first I had offers before I went to jail,
0: sure
1: so like eighty two whatever the far sides record deal was actually my record deal
0: okay
1: yeah, and I introduced them to Paul Stewart and then whatever then I went to jail and then I came out and they were on their second album and then um then I you know kind of started over and uh then I got my situation yeah and 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 then that was about ninety four and because the deal was not the the greatest deal we had to kind of negotiate terms with the production company, so it took a while and then it, that's why I took it like a it took a year for my album to come out so so my my technically would have come out like ninety five late ninety four ninety five
0: sure mm-hmm. Sure. So, uh, you know, going through the uh, history in hip hop, especially around so-called golden age of hip hop, the early nineties, a lot of record companies did uh, the artist dirty, didn't they? You know, with the contracts and you know the the small print of the contracts. Was that the kind yeah. of situation you was you was in?
2: Yeah, you know, uh,
1: it, it, it it's uh, I mean, in my situation. Uh the production company had already done me wrong. So you know, I, I ended up just kind of in in, in a in uh I went from the frying pan into the fire in my situation. But, you know, uh bad contracts have always been kind of a standard part of the music business. It's unfortunate. Um mm-hmm. uh, you know, the people in the fifties and sixties and seventies were even worse. So I'm not unique by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, uh, even to this day, these record deals are probably pretty bad. They, they are 360 deals. They get, you know, a portion of everything you make. So um, there probably should be better labor laws or, you know, laws protecting uh, artists, you know, uh, overall in the music industry. Yeah. It's kind of Wild West, You're left at the mercy of these labels. And, you know, yeah, there, there probably should be some some better protections.
0: Sure, you come out with Soul and Ice, and bro, I heard uh, Nature of the Threat. Wow, <laughs> what a deep uh, What a deep song! I was just like shocked when I first heard it.
2: Wow, you know,
0: <laughs> what was the what was the processing the, the the whole, you know, the message in the lyrics and you know the, the the deep information that you put in that song?
1: I um, how did
2: process- you process know? that?
1: I approached it like a thesis paper. So um, while I was in school, I was still in high school while I was uh, taking college courses. Uh, and then I took college courses. I didn't go to university full time. I just took courses at our, our local community college. Huh? And so um, I just did that. Um, I was also doing my own Even in high school, I was already,
2: maybe even before high school, maybe I probably, um, probably by ninth grade, I was already asking questions that
1: the church couldn't answer or wouldn't answer or didn't want to answer or whatever. So I was already investigating uh you know doing my own independent research and reading and encyclopedias and history books so i was already on that so i knew i wanted to write nature the threat yeah long before i wrote it i probably did two or three years of just doing research and learning things that i wanted to learn anyway and then i would keep the books Uh and, and uh make notes kind of kind of like writing a report like I said like writing a thesis paper so I I kind of had all my footnotes already put together on every book wow. and then I wrote out a skeleton of where I wanted to start and then I was you know and then yeah the day I wrote it I, it seemed very easy to write it because I'd done the 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 footwork I'd done the research and I'm listed so I just kind of put all the books on the floor with the notes, with the footnotes, and then I just went back to where I needed. To. Like, oh, this encyclopedia says this, and then also this book talks about the same thing. This history book, and then this college book talks about it too. So now I know to get those three and just read the things that they're saying. These are the dates. This is what they're saying. This is what the scientist said here. And then I just compiled it. So it, it was. Um, It was, I like, it seemed pretty fast. Uh, I don't know how long it was, but honestly, to write it, the research took years, but to write it it took, um, it was all in one sitting. I just wrote it. Uh, Yeah, it just, yeah, I probably wrote it. It felt like an hour. I was just like, okay, done. And then I was just going to keep it because I knew it was probably going to get me in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. Uh, My goal was initially, I was just going to save it for my second album if i i didn't even have an album i was just like oh get an album probably shouldn't say this first and then uh you know like if i get and then i got this album situation it was on my demo so danger the threat was on my demo Wow. Uh, so yeah they then it was you know well i recorded it just because i didn't want to me i have a habit of just you know, it's a habit I'm trying to break of, you know, life life, and I lose stuff. And, I, you know, it's been a few times I lost some notebooks or some things I thought were really, really you know, awesome to me. And and then I never found them and I never recovered it. So with Nature of the Threat, I was just like, oh, I'll I'll record it to something and just have it. And then I'll put it out years later. So I didn't even, even the beat for Nature of the Threat wasn't like the beat that I really planned on having it on. It was just something, a template for me to record the yeah. thought lyrics. And then I put it out two years later with, you know, with a beat. Yeah. And then my mother heard it and people heard it and they were just like, it's important and you need to put it out now. And that's kind of how I felt. And so that's what happened. I just, um, you know, I, 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 um, it wrote itself and it decided that it needed to come out. Honestly, is sure. how I feel about it.
0: Sure. Sure. I mean, I first heard it, I was blown away. I had to listen to it like five or six times you know on repeat. I mean, when it when it came out, did you did you visualize the impact when or just before it came out, did you visualize the impact it was going to have on your career? No,
1: no, because I because it's a selfish record, it's for myself. Sure. I wrote it for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I wrote it mainly it's a it's a it's a chronological timeline of human evolution. And so that's really what it is. And so what I was trying to understand is, you know, you get these dates, 1492, 1776, you know, 200 BC, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And i was just like, what I needed to understand was purely for myself, how did this, all these dates fit into a, a, a story? like nothing happens by coincidence. So how, you know, except No, not even rainstorms and shit. It's because precipitation and then, you know, whatever, you know, whatever. Everything happens for reasons, cause and effect in in the universe. And so I wanted to understand, ultimately, if if man, whether it's biblical or whether it's scientific, that man starts as one kind of man, happens to be a black man. Mm -hmm. Where do we get everybody else? And then at the end of the day, I wanted to understand why do people mistreat? African people extremely w- with more prejudice than everybody else. Where did that come from? And that's really was the point. Me trying to understand in history where the variations happen, where people, you know, you know, because culture is one thing. We don't even have race, but we have phenotypical type skin and whatever. So science will always say that there's only one race, the human race. So where do we get this term from? Why do we say this term? you know, trying to understand where this shit came from. And especially at the end of something where we're responsible for creating everybody else, why do they treat us like shit and try to exterminate us? Exactly. And that point that I was, you know, I was, it's a chronological research into the the evolution of tribalism that resorted into racism, which resorted into uh, uh, genocide, sure. uh, attempted genocide. And people still continue to attempt genocide
2: Yeah.
1: against their own, at the end of the day, their own, you know, brothers. Mm-hmm. trying to understand that. True.
0: I mean, from, from there, take us from there to, to your second album, Rassassination, you know, back in there. Yeah. 98.
1: Well, Rassassination was, I mean, I always tell people if, if they listen really closely, uh, I didn't have the resources or the... Well, the main thing is I didn't have the resources for Solo Nights that I had with Rat Assassination. Mm-hmm. So that gave me an opportunity to, you know, I only had, uh, you know, one, one Battle cap record uh, on Solo Nights. Yeah. He's a very integral part of my life. And on the second album, I didn't even get a Battle cap record. Um, he was just busy. But I was able, you know, I, you know, I'm a fan. Brizza had 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 shown me so much love and, you know, and then Dr. Dre is bringing me in and I had these other resources and all these people I was a fan of. But in general. They're the same album because I'm still I was I was still me. I like I always told people, if you listen, th- there's two different people on Soul nights. There's Marinate and Drama you know, which is the hood kid, the kid mm-hmm. that goes to jail and drinks and f- with the girls. And then there's, you know, the nature the threat kid. Sure. That's reading history books and, and auto ko. Mm-hmm. But in between both and, and inside of those two different people, there's a battle rap kid. So those are kind of what all the albums, if you strip them down and take the music off, I'm usually doing some hood ignorance sure. or I'm paying penance and then analyzing and philosophizing about some of that. And then there's the kid that just the core art form as an MC is saying, I'm better than you. Sure. And so, um, and so Grass assassination and solo nights are pretty much that every record I do is pretty much going to be that I'm going to talk my shit. Sure. Um, because uh, I'm trying to basically what I'm trying to do is run, I, I'm doing Descartes, the duality of man. That's what I'm that's from a philosophical standpoint. Mm-hmm. That's what albums are is they, is me dealing with my own duality, my own hypocrisies, yeah. and so um, I just had better resources, so I was able to do them more sonic um, with with you know with the with the with the help of you know the RZA and corrupt and Dr. Dre. Uh-huh. Um, I felt like it was um, you know, I felt like I felt like we did a really great job. I was able to do my skits and make them, you know, make them epic and you know, and with the sound effects and put you in the movie. You know, uh, for me, every record, every song in and of itself is a time capsule, but um, an album is thematically like a, an experience. I may have covered the past year of my life within an album, mm-hmm. my highs, my lows, my confusion uh uh my love my lust yeah. my disappointment, my hate um all that so um for, for me I, I i think we did a great job uh and and the one thing i always say is no matter what the outcome you know my goal and i and, I'm, and i I know the people around me we gave 110%
2: so i always stand by my work i know we tried our best to make a quintessentially um, dope album but I don't want to do 10 songs
1: selling coke sure. and like people 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 call some of these albums classic or whatever and I'm like he only talked about one thing the entire time like he just killed a lot of people every verse he just killed a lot of people like that how's that dope I
2: mean it, even you know That's a snuff film. Like, if if, if a movie came on and from the
1: beginning to the end, they just kill everybody. No dialogue, just kill, kill, kill. You'd be like, what the fuck is this movie about? Exactly, exactly. What's the plot? It has no plot. It's just all action. Like, I can't even get into it no more. I'm desensitized. I don't get the aim of the violence. Sure. You know, a horror film has to have a plot. You're like, oh, oh, that's what happened. They drowned the girl in the well. She's coming back to kill him. Like, it's got to be a plot. And so a lot of people don't have plots in their albums and I was trying to do something. I always write thematically and I want a, a plot a story in a, in a, a, destination, you know what I'm saying? Even if, even if the, the, at the end of the album, I failed in my destination, at least there's a plot and a story. So yeah, there's a funny part. And yeah, there's a sex scene and yeah, there's a, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, no. you know, an emotional part where, you, where, you, where, you, you know, uh uh you know, the, you know, you, you make amends, and you know, and another part where you are like, I don't give, a fuck, you know, because it's a storyline, and it's because exactly. that's an experience.
0: Exactly, you know? that's why I like um, the, you know, artists like yourself. You know, uh, you know yourself, uh, KRS. Uh, you know, you, you got your Biggie, you got Tupac. They all, are, from start to finish, and they've got a they've got a beginning, middle, and end. And it's like mm-hmm. it's like a story. It comes together. You mentioned Dr. Dre. Uh, what was it like working with Dr. Dre in the studio? because i believe he did the song was it get off out, get get mm-hmm.
2: of
1: us, yeah. yeah yeah no nah, man um you know i was uh, I was uh privy to to being around you know uh quite often so it wasn't just that one time with him at the during that period um okay. <laughs> i picked up a lot of great habits from Joey, points right, so, um he just, uh, he's just a, he's he's a genius you know,
2: he's a genius. He, he has vision. Um, uh, very critical of himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, which, which, I me,
1: mean, which is dope. You know, to 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 still not think everything you do is great. Like, you know, he's done a lot of greatness, but even you know, he'll still be like, ah, I don't know. You know what you think? Mm-hmm. You know. So, you know, it's a a reminder that no matter how great you get, there's always room for improvement. So it it, it was always a a learning experience. It was was great to go in there and just purely create. Um, What I did learn from Dre was uh, in that moment in the studio, in creation, it's not about you. It's about what's best for the song. Sure. And, you know, you know, you use the resources you have, obviously, he has way more resources than me, but, you know, just watching him, like, always commit to what's best for the song.
2: Mm -hmm. Oh,
1: wait, maybe I shouldn't say it, you should say it, because your voice will sound better doing that part. Or, you know what, this song needs a viola right here. Okay, we'll we'll call a viola person, he needs to play viola right here. Because, you know, that that part, like, it, it... they're little mini universes. Every record, you know what I'm saying? That like it's it, it's just ill to watch them come together, mm-hmm. especially come together. And it's just like exactly the way you or that person saw it up here and right here. And when he can manifest it, and it becomes this thing that I can hear, mm-hmm. I'm like we did it. This is exactly what I felt it would be, and now it's here, and the world can hear this. So I gave them this. Mm-hmm. That's a magical feeling, yeah. you know. For a director, a painter, uh, you know, person that designs a car, uh, architect, you know, I'm sure that's the same feeling, uh, you know. Any, some somebody that makes a shoe, whatever you make, what, you know, whatever your craft is, when you can take it from here and here and make it tangible or audible, sure. you know, that's closest to creation to me. Yeah. Like, like universe creation.
0: For sure. For sure. You know, it's uh, I mean, there's certain stories where Dre's been putting a, a different artists through the paces. You know, saying different words over and over and over again, and it's it's kind of like a perfectionist. But
1: you know, yes, yeah,
2: <laughs> it come, uh, man, it
1: was it was brutal. It was brutal but funny. <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> it's, it was brutal watching that
2: person's ego. Shrink, shrink, shrink. <laughs>
1: um, there were times you know, um I was lucky. Like there were times people were upset because he'd be like, Yeah, it's good. And then other people had to do everything. I was <laughs> like, damn, bro. And and it came up, it, it came up sometimes. I I can't go too deep into it, but there were times people were like, why everything you do is good, and then I'm like, "Hey, man, <laughs> get mad at him, bro. I didn't do it, man. Like, like it was brutal, bro. That's it. Brutal watching. But you know, he knows people's uh voice, man, and he's trying to coach the best out of them. And some people may not hear the same range that he hears,
2: mm-hmm. um, and so, so it's just you know yeah whatever you know i'm not the best
1: i'm not good at lots of things And so no matter i would require more help doing whatever that thing is mm-hmm. and so i'm i'm lucky my acumen for picking up what he was putting down with me maybe cuz i understand my instrument my voice
0: sure
1: and what you know what it what it was capable or not capable of or what sounded right or good for that particular record maybe i have an innate, more of an innate idea and so i would look up and not have to get uh you know coached that, that. but sure. you know as long as the result is uh i mean i have engineers down man i got you know people i work with and i'll do something and i hate when i told my engineer slash producer yesterday i was like i hate when you Tell me to do some shit, but I really hate it only because he's right. And then, and I was like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going and we, I you know, I laughed it off because I was irritated. Yeah. Um, uh, Twiz the Beat Pro, he produced a lot of uh, stuff for Evidence or whatever. But, um, yeah, man, you know, I was like, dude, I hate when you fucking make me do shit I don't want to do over because eventually it's gonna bother my ear and I'm gonna have to do it anyway. Sure. So he's just calling it what because I'm being lazy at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I hate that you're making me realize I was being lazy and I was trying to cut a corner that I'm still was going to fix eventually. So you make me fix it now. I was like, I hate when you do that because it reminds me that I'm, you know, I'm being lazy. I can't be lazy. You gotta do this. Shit. So it's cool. You know, that's that checks and balances. Yeah,
0: yeah, sure. Sure. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I mean, now, is it true that Eminem used to open up for you?
1: Uh, uh, we had a couple of shows where M opened up for me, and then there, you know there was time to, you know I came out before him That's all. It's just I had an opportunity before him. So yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I I, I um uh, basically I brought one of Jay Z's artists with me one time and told him who Eminem was before Eminem was Eminem, and you know he's from New York, he's from Brooklyn, and he's just like. Mm-hmm white boy. I'm like, all right. Uh, you know, I basically say, you see the little dirty white boy over there? We were in Detroit, and he was opening up for me. I was like, I said, he's better than 95% of us. And he's like, you know, especially a New Yorker. He's like, nah. I was like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm wrong. I'm 100% wrong. I said, he's better than 99.9% of us. (sighs) And then the person said 95. And then I was like, Ninety nine point nine percent of us, like, got his son. Da, 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 da. He went back to Jay Z. Like, bro, shut. <laughs> this is before him blew up. Before, way before, fuck, um, renegade and all that. Jay Z had never heard of Eminem. And I promise to you, I, my, my friend Wise P from the Rangers, wise to tell you, he came with me. I had to do a show in Detroit. Him was opening. And I told him, you little stupid, dirty white boy, watch this. And he went, he was a believer because at the end of the day, you can't, this is still about the the craft. So just because you don't understand what the cover of the book looked like, don't mean (laughs) calculus in here. So yeah, you know, yeah, it was fun. It was one, that's one of my favorite stories about him. You know, before I knew who he was, Detroit knew he was super talented and any MC that came across him, of course you don't know, like bro, ill bro. Like, we all, you know, know your own kind. Like, ah, yeah, yeah, I'm a problematic. He's ill. So it was great to, you know, it was great, for, you know. And if my friend would have said he wasn't, I would have looked at him funny. Like, sure. Like, you can't deny that. Like, you know, certain people, like, you can't deny me. You can't deny Rock You can't deny. It. You just got to give it to those people, pun, exactly. whoever. Pharaoh. Exactly. Oh, most deaf, you gotta give it to them. Like, bro, like, you're incredible, man. And God blessed you with this talent that we all have. And, you know, Buster bust Rhymes, whoever, you know, you gotta give, like, you ain't hurting yourself by acknowledging somebody who's really amazing too. It should be motivation, like, that is amazing. And I'm, I'm good, I'm great too, but fuck, that made me like, I gotta get in too. So you want people like that, still sharp and still. So yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 it wasn't socially, you know, uh, and is white label execs. It's just like, no, white guys can't be rappers. Like, no. what about Third Base? What about the Beastie Boys? Like, just because of L.I.A. doesn't mean every white guy can't rap, man. You gotta stop. You know, so in hip hop, we, we know better than that. It's just, again, corporate America or, you know, uh, a group starts making these rules about what is or isn't possible. Yeah. But, you know, I know my own kind of people all over the planet that are ill, that, you know, closed mind people that say like, no, I don't, you know, I'm never listening to, you know, international or, you know, I don't like UK rap. I don't want to just like, you just stupid bro. It's talented people, there, bro.
0: Exactly, exactly. I mean, do you still have a relationship with him now? Or?
1: I haven't seen him in years, man. Um, I don't think it's I don't have anything. Uh, we have no ill will that I know of. Um, a, a lot of that stuff gets real. It's the people around people, you know, sometimes uh, anytime I'm around Eminem, we we're usually, you know, I've always had like famous like we end up talking about some other shit doing a, going on a whole different tangent. Mm-hmm.
2: I'd love to, you know, have have a rapport with him. Um talk to Royce I see Royce sure I would you know by you know I know obviously he talks to him
1: I don't know maybe I should just should have told Royce one of these times like yo man tell him I want to talk to him like, I, you know but then on the flip side he hasn't reached out and said hey Raz, how you doing so sure. you know be you know on some human shit uh you know you don't want to I don't want to be. You got a million people, a trillion people trying to pursue him, but yeah, you know, as a peer, as a homie, and you know, yeah, yeah. I always felt like, sure, I always felt like gave him like any other talented MC that I always treated him as my peer and as my brother in this bar shit way before his success. Yeah. So I always expect that because that's how Big Pun and Tupac and and Big L, and, and and that's how they treated me. They treated me like a peer. I was a little brother, but I was a peer. I didn't sell a record or, you know, whatever. They just knew the talent. So I always expect, and that's what I've always tried to do, is treat anybody who I think is my peer on this mic as my brother. And so I, I always hope that they, they would do the same, whether, you know, numbers and success and all the other things that, are not necessarily, they're out of our control sometimes, yeah. so that stops us from being, you know, brothers with the bars or whatever, so
2: yeah. you know,
1: um, yeah, actually, that that's a good, yeah, I, I would hope one day him would reach out as a human being, as as a brother, that that never treated them no differently. Exactly,
0: exactly. I mean, you mentioned Tupac there, you know, when your first album came out in 1996, the, the East, East Coast, West Coast war was popping off and Pat comes out with hit him up, and at the end of the song, game he mentions Chino XL. Of course, we know you. Uh, <laughs> you was featured on Chino XL's was it Riot? The song Riot was it?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What was you thinking when hit him? Up come out?
1: I'm doomed. He's gonna get me
2: too.
1: <laughs> I'm like, I'm next.
2: Sure.
1: Yeah, I um, I dodged that bullet. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, what what was what was Chino's mind frame back then? You know, recording that song. No, it, it
1: wasn't. It wasn't any malice. Okay, we wrote that record together in the studio, line to line, like back to back, watching each other. Right. And I, I knew who Chino was. I knew mean, he could rap dope. I I was, a, you know, I was a fan of his talent, but I didn't know him at all. Sure. I don't even think I met him before that. Actually. Um, Rick Rubin asked me to do that song, which you know, because Rick Rubin was considering signing me too, but I signed the priority. So I chose a different label and then he asked me as a favor to do that. And so, of course, you know, Rick Rubin had, had taken time out to build with me and, 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 and you know, I'm he's a you know foundation of this hip-hop shit. Sure. And so um when we did the song, we just trying to outbar each other. We were going at it. I mean, honestly, he didn't know me. I'm, I'm I'm, the op, and he the op. Like, you know, like, you, know I, you ain't better than me, and he like, you ain't better than me, and we going at it, mm-hmm. really. We didn't have no hook. We just was writing, honestly. We did the hook later after we was like, phew, damn, that was good. That was like a war of attrition, so it was dope. We, we earned each other's respect, but that line, when he said it, it wasn't malice, it was just an ill line. With me, it was hit a little more close to home because the Thug Life dudes were my homeboys. they older than me, but they were my homies. I ran around the streets with them. Even outside of that, Money B was one of the first artists from Digital Underground, was one of the first artists overall. Mm-hmm. And that's Oakland to pulled me in and show me love. And, you know, his, his nephew was a big dude named Clee one of my best friends and Numbskull is one of my best friends too wasn't back then but um so i felt a lot more responsibility to not say anything about tupac
2: especially uh something in that sense where uh we don't know if it's true or not okay and so and even if it was true i was just like you
1: know for me it's off limits Mm -hmm. so when she it, I, I was very, very hesitant, and I almost, you know, I was considering honestly. I, I, I almost had considered like not doing the song. Wow. I was like, Man, I like that line. So I do remember saying like, "Man, I don't like that line." Yeah. I can't tell you what to write, but I don't like that. So you know, you know, just putting that disclaimer out, like I don't like it. And so I never told anybody. I didn't tell Thug Life. I didn't tell money be about the song that I recall, but maybe I did possibly. I may have, I may have said, man, I did a song is dope, but instead of, you know, uh, but I don't recall saying anything, but maybe that's probably how it went through the channels. Cause they were all, you know, that's, you know, pop came from digital underground family and it thought like dude's my homie. So, you know, when, when pop, you know, took shots at Chino, I'm like, fuck, Okay, well, now he's really saving it for me. So by the time Machiavelli came out and then Exhibit Situation because of the paparazzi shit. So I told them, uh, well, I heard I was in Atlanta and somebody, some people had bootleg. They had versions of the Machiavelli album. Pac wasn't dead yet still, but the album was about to drop. And I remember I had a show in L.A. and it was Cass. It was out in Cass. Because it was Outcast, it was Outlaws, it was Razcast. It was a show. I was like, ah, that was a crazy, you know, whatever. Um, and Outlaws uh, and Doug like, well, I think Doug like, came up and just like, yo, you know, Pop went at exhibit. I was like, man, and I hadn't heard, <clears throat> no, I heard the song. I heard uh, Bomb First. But, you know, Pop, no, I hadn't heard it. I, they had some other bootlegs. Whatever. I had heard some of the songs. I hadn't heard the whole album, and so I bought the album. I, obviously, the first day it came out, and I'm just waiting for you know my name because I hit a pile first. Got something that nigga the name paparazzi, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm like, I'm coming, man. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. I went through the whole album and nothing. I was like, so I knew he passed. You know, he he showed me love.
2: Sure.
1: I, I was literally associated to two things that he wasn't fucking with and directly on the record with the the song you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah, yeah. and and, I, and he did not you know and so i always um very grateful to him to know you know i you know he knew i was part of his family his tribe
2: sure.
1: um i didn't condone it um and i love chino you know to this day you know what i'm saying um it was a dope line. It just wasn't a line I could do. But if I had said that line, I would have expected, you know, yeah, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta know what comes with it. But by it's just some lines sometimes. Like if I diss somebody, I don't diss someone like a Horseman record because that's my beef, and I don't want to associate them with. You yeah. know what I mean mm-hmm. with with mean? If it's my, my if it's my problem and my my thing, then I'll hold off. I'll do my solo record and talk that. shit. So you still got to be a little political about you know what you say when you involve other people. Sure. Um, uh, I thought it was very it showed his character, Tupac's character, that he instinctively knew or for whatever reason knew like not to not to throw me under the bus too. Sure. Um, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful because I was a big fucking fan, and I uh, the last thing I would want him to do is. To have passed and thought I was his enemy too. He did. He did. He did me a beautiful solid. While he was in prison, he actually had written his perfect album, and uh, I made his list. Wendy Day has it from Rap Coalition. She he wrote it to her, and uh, yeah, it was me with Easy Mo B, um, produced by Easy Mo B. So after Pac died. Um, I had the ability to work with Easy Mo B, and I did two songs with Mo B. Really for pop. that was something you know. I I, I did to, to um you know hopefully there's some awareness after death, and that he could see you know I tried to honor him.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow, that's a nice gesture. Really nice gesture. You know, um, I believe he was on the set. Speaking of, was that the One Nation album? Was that the plans he had for One Nation? The yeah, it was. <clears throat> I believe he was on the set of um, Edian Exhibits.
1: Uh, yeah. Video. yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I had the support. Yeah. You know, you know that, it was really dope, uh, sure. and I was really dope. It was really, really dope. I, um, yeah, I, I wish I would have made it. You know, um, again, you know, uh, pe- when people execute somebody else's ideas, then you know those things change. Sure. Uh, Definitely. That he could have done his one nation and and I could have been a part of that as he had it on that piece of paper that would have been meant a lot to me too, but I did what I could do. I, you know, I did. You know, did, he sent me an easy mob. I did it twice. You know, sure, sure. Um,
0: Real nice gesture. Real nice gesture. You mentioned the Horseman projects there. I mean, how did how did how did the whole super group come about? You know, with Cannabis, Corrupt, it uh, Killer Priest. mm Hmm. How's that come about?
1: Again, Wendy Day, Rap Coalition. Wow. Wendy Day is a little uh, Irish lady with red hair and freckles. So Wendy is the, who I, what I call the angel of hip-hop. She's an unsung hero who has helped everybody from myself. The, me and David Banner slept on her couch. Wow. Um, the Locks, Eminem, um, UGK, Goody Mob, helps people get out of the up contracts like she is the angel and hasn't been thanked enough in, in the hip hop community. She is she's the angel of hip hop and uh, and she's got a pushover. Like I said, she, yes, he was doing the rap Olympics and it was all these different groups. This was like two thousand or something. Mm-hmm. So a lot of signed artists were going to have groups. Wu Tang, I think Method Man or Redman had a group. It's like like Death Squad. And all these signed artists were gonna go on this battle was four man teams. Sure. And so I
2: uh, I knew this dude that was uh, up and coming, uh,
1: that I met in Atlanta. And then I was beginning to really, I was his fan, but we were building a friendship named Corrupt. And so I remember Corrupt called and said, I'm, in, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to get into, I'm going to get on that, on that, on that four-man battle. And I was like, yeah, me too. He was like, well, I'm going to get candy. I'm going to get cannabis too. I was like, I already got cannabis. He's like, well, then we the team. And he's like, and I want a Priest. And I didn't know Priest. I knew his music, but I know. And uh, I was like, f- yeah, Killer Priest, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So that we were going to be, a, that. that was our team. To battle everybody else's
2: teams. Um, And uh, long story short, all the signed teams dropped out.
1: And so it wasn't worth it. Like, you know, I wanted to battle, especially back then. I'm young and hungry, and I want to battle the people that, you know, that's on platforms higher than me. Like, you know, you you got to shine. I want to shine. So, um we decided once all the main guys that were signed dropped out we were like god oh, ain't worth it um and then somebody called audible it might have been cannabis or it might have been uh priest like yo i'm working on my album we should do a record and we did the record and then it became the horseman i don't even know where how to we got the name the horseman um but yeah that, that's uh that's that's how it happened man it was very it, again windy day wow wow
0: Shout out to Wendy Day. She's um, sounds like an awesome, awesome woman. You know, yes, good intentions too. You know, yeah, he is. yeah, yeah. I believe you uh, released, uh, released an album last year. The horseman album last
1: year. Yeah, yeah. I call it our debut finale. So it's called the last ride. Right, right. Yeah.
0: Is it, is it the last project or are you? You plan to go for more or?
1: Um. We'll see, man. Um, it it took us twenty years to get one. Sure. I don't think it'll take another twenty years to get another one. I'm just kind of um uh, we were able to, to for me, I mean, thank COVID for that, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. Um I just had downtime and I I was going through a hard all my hard drives and cleaning things up and you know, whatever. And uh I saw that folder and it said horseman, I listened to it and it was all this incomplete shit. Um, And I just, you know, I, I had time on my hand. I wanted to, you know, it was again, some of these things are really selfish. It was just for me to I just wanted to show, you know, my friends 10 years later showed it could be done slaughterhouse. It was, you know, and I wanted to show, you know, they did at least two albums and I just felt like, we can't get one. The homies got two and a half or whatever. Like, fuck that. I want one. That way, when the fans ask me about it, I can say, look, we did it. There's one.
0: Sure.
1: And so that was really the goal. I, I put it together. Uh, me and Gifted Glitch, who did all the artwork, because it was really about that vision. That was the vision that I had always had. Um, previously, that was the vision I told RZA, And with the characters and this whole, he saw it and then we didn't execute it, fell apart. And it was very disheartening. And so we basically left alone for another 10 years or nine years. And so COVID just gave me some time to tinker with it, get the visual for it. And then I was able to go, uh, you know, to each of my brothers and just say, look, man, look, you know, Cause we had, you know, we had like a verse here and, you know, a hook here and this, that, you know incomplete songs. So I was, in general, I was able to take their vocals from seven to 15 years ago.
2: Sure. And strip the beats out, give it the new production. Cause the lyrics held up yeah. and
1: then things that were missing but well, I was able to like present that and say, okay look at this, listen to this. Now, can you fix the things that need to be fixed? I need you to do a hook here. I need you to do a verse on this one. I need you to do. And that's how it kind of came together. So, honestly, like, the 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 Horseman album, to me, I think one of the coolest things is that you really that, that some of that is, that's, that's from 2005 and 7. Like, I really took, I really did some archaeologist shit and, like, dug up some bones and then put the bones, reassemble the bones. Sure, sure. So that's just really the, the, the skeleton, the foundation of that record is what you would have heard 15 years ago. Wow. And that's kind of cool. You know, we'll never be able to do that again, like to, to like reassemble all this, you know, this, this dinosaur and put it back together so people can see this Tyrannosaurus Rex. Um, anything we do now, obviously will be right now. It it'll be cool. It'd be great, but it it was really for me. It was nostalgic to reassemble our past to put it in the present. And then if that gives us the you know the the, the opportunity or the motivation to reassemble them, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm totally down. Corrupt hit me um, about a month ago. He was like, we gotta do it again. Wow. Um, and he's like, and he was like, he's like, you. He's like, you did it. You you because I'm executive producer of the. The horse gravel. So he's like, yeah, man, you the executive producer, do that shit. He's like, I talked to Candy, I told Candy, like it, you pulled it together, you, uh, which is I enjoy, you know, I picked that up from Dr. Dre. Dre used to tell me he's like, you're an executive producer like me, because I he says I see things the way like I see the bigger picture, bigger product. And um, which is what I want to do. And so that was a great opportunity to showcase um showcase that that part of myself that i that i enjoy doing sure um yeah and uh yeah man you know shit actually dj quick said he wanted to produce a single for the next horseman album i think that could be incredible wow what he would come up with for us knowing what we do um so if we do it it'll be you know that growth it'll be the the growth to the next level which was the vision anyway the vision was you know just think in 2001 um, at the height of cannabis, is you know, uh, as of now, at the height of all our popularities, let's call it that, on the major record deals, uh, if I,
2: if 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 we would have had a beat produced by Dr. Dre with RZA's
1: drums on it and Lauryn Hill singing the hook part. Yeah. With you know, with Snoop on the third verse. Like, you know, like these the the the, the team and resources we had to pull from, sure. we could have made some incredibly ill, different, next level records. And that was the goal. So that's still the goal. That's what I would want to do. I would want to DJ quick, yeah. And then, and then, you know, get hey Matt, we need you on this hook. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Go hear that every day, exactly. I want exactly. but I that was the goal of the horseman. It, I'm a gluer, man. I like to glue things together and see what it you know, change the DNA structure. People get so rigid, like, oh, West Coast rap sounds like this, East Coast, and I'm an anomaly, so I like to create these anomalies anyway. Wow, wow,
0: you know, I was just listening to it uh, last week, and honestly, you know, hearing the stories that he, the, the how you put the album together, you know, coming from what, 2007? The the, the the music was done in 2007, the lyrics, would, and you, you basically built it up. And honestly, it, my honest opinion, it's better than 90% of the crap that's <laughs> out here at the moment, trust me, trust me. You know, I was banging, it was like, wow, this is some crazy, you know, crazy lyrics again, you know, deep lyrics. And so, you know, to, to, to hear that story, that's, that's like mind-blowing. Wow, that's, that's some dope, that's really dope. Really is, you. you know. And uh, but you know, you with the impact of Soul and Ice, the first one was it always an idea of yours to do Soul and Ice too?
2: No, no.
1: Um, and and actually, uh, Soul and Ice was 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 discounted when it came out. I got, I caught a lot of shit about Soul and Ice. Wow.
2: Okay.
1: Dutch and this and that. Like I caught a lot of about my first album i always catch i don't know people just you know people gonna hate you for whatever you do tupac said that um
2: i, you know, I caught a lot of sh- but for me it innately happened i didn't really plan on it and how should i say this um well, I'll just say
1: it. Most people won't never. Not most. A lot of artists that I love and respect will never get to celebrate the 25th anniversary of their first album. Fine.
2: Fine.
1: Biggie won't. Pac won't. L won't. Uh, Nipsey won't even celebrate 10 years of his first album. Um, Pop Smoke. I could go down a list of names of people that you know, one way or another, tragically we'll never be able to celebrate that. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't matter, you know, um, I didn't get a lot of hoopla or support from the from the overall hip hop community. The magazines didn't say, you know, this contribution by Raz, but I celebrate me. I'm I'm blessed to be here. I thank the creator and I thank the people that supported me. Um that I'm able to say, wow, 25 years later. And for me, it was also about, it was that, that I'm at least I'm here, you know, grateful to be here. And the other part was to take some, uh, you know, some inventory. For me, it was like, you know, someone nice might ask a question overall, like, you know, society is this, you know, society's fucked up. Uh, uh, you know racism. You know racism is where it's at right now. Yeah. Uh, inequality. You know income equality is like this now. Twenty five years later, that was the question. And then the first song of the album is a uh, silver anniversary, and I answer those questions. And and I think overall, what's crazier is that it, it and not just it, it's not just society. I'm also in the mirror looking at myself. Am I a bad person? Did I, you know, did, did I go up or did I go down? And or do I regret nature the threat or do I, you know, whatever. And, you know, or my career or whatever. And and so those were things to ask after 25 years. And I found some interesting answers. Did I regret nature the threat? No. Um, did I do some of the same shit? Yeah, I did went to prison. I did this. I did self destructive. Am I a better person? Have I changed? Do I have less anger issues? Yes. Is society better? Is racism, uh, changed? No. It's worse. So the things about for me, I kind of found that oh, I grew. I you know some things you know, uh, um, you know, it, you know, is is my career in a better place? Yeah. It, uh, uh, am I uh, as uh, upwardly mobile as I would want to be? No. So i got to answer those things and be honest. But one of the biggest things was, you know, those were the, the in the mirror yeah. questions. But with society, society failed. I might have got to be me as a human being. I, you know, Soul and Lies 2 is about me looking at me and grading myself in society. Me, I got to be or see, you know what I'm saying? A little average. I, I, I feel like I should have more and accomplish more. And that's what I'm striving for. Sure. Is it for lack of striving? No. But I gave my yeah. I give myself a C. Society got a F. Yeah, yeah, yeah. America, the world doubled down on hatred and racism, Jeez. on income inequality, yeah. on all, and so that was the scary part about the record, and why it's, it's just as important as the nature of the threat. White power is 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 incredibly important about the psyche of why. We call things Western civilization. It implies that everything else ain't civilized. And Western only means white, that we still deal with that
0: Exactly. Exactly. Why,
1: why when we know there ain't no race, why do people keep repeating it? You understand what I'm saying? So what you know, it's like I don't know. People say, yeah, if you would have put out nature the threat, now, you know what I'm saying, it would go viral. I don't know. I don't think so. Cause I keep writing things that are just as important and people don't give a fuck. People are fucking moronic. Yeah. So I don't know about you know those those are those are very interesting
2: things to me that <clears throat> you I, I I I say important sh- from time to time, mm-hmm. and that sh- is right overlooked because for a cat video or you
1: know some you know or or some new challenge.
0: What you've got to say and the content of your music, you know. That's education. It is education. Yeah. The likes of yourself, K R S One. You know, I went to a lecture uh, a few years ago now. Karus One come to the UK and did a lecture, and uh, he was there for about five hours doing it. This lecture, I could have stayed there for, I could have stayed there for days listening to him. He's rolling off history, not just about hip hop, about race, about equality, um, poverty throughout the, throughout the world. You know, and what he's got to say, like he's he's overlooked, like yourself. The message that you're you're giving, the the message that's coming across, it's just overlooked. So you can put a post up and it's just over people's head, over yeah. the, ignorant. You know, another another post, could, ignorant posts. You know, go viral. Right. It's stupid. The way the way things, the way the world is, it's just crazy.
1: It is. It is.
0: But you, you mentioned it before, uh, Nipsey hustle uh, I know. I know you did uh, a song with Nipsey Hustle. You tell us about. Mm-hmm. Is it Californication? Was that a thing?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, well, you know, Nipsey is is. <clears throat> I call it classes. So, Nipsey's from a younger class than me. You know, I'm I'm from a younger class than Nas and and, and even Twista and Feral Mach. They came out before me. Common and all of that.
2: Mm-hmm. Um.
1: So, I didn't really. Like I know Nipsey's homies and I, I was acquainted with Nipsey. My my cousin knew him more. I didn't I didn't know him like that. I got a lot of friends
2: from his neighborhood, obviously.
1: Sure. Um I I
2: I I was just very impressed with him, man. I just thought he was uh he was what LA needed. Uh because he could talk talk that shit, you know, the hood shit.
1: With the like, his whole delivery and his choice of production is right in the pocket of where LA is at and was at. And, and, and but he didn't just talk complete stupid, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? He talked you know, reinvested and you know, and recycling black dollar, like you know, you know, closer to some pocket in that sense, you know what I'm saying? And um.
2: The cool part about that particular song is,
1: um, again, I met David Banner sleeping on Wendy Day's couch and then he would go on to become David Banner, you know, multi-platinum, it was back when we were younger. And um, he hit me one day and he just, he he had this idea. So David says, he plays me a beat. He's like, man, I want to do this song about a dude coming to LA from Mississippi so obviously that's him he's like and like you know you know out of town just think it's you know it's soft out here he's like you know what I'm saying like I just want to tell his LA story about how he think it's cool but then it just really get off like some real crazy LA sh- and I want Snoop and I want Nipsey and I want uh he
2: said somebody else and I forgot so
1: the whole thing about that song is it couldn't be written by a lot of people. It had to be written by one person.
0: Sure,
1: like the artist couldn't just say the verses because it had to tell this story. And so the easiest way was for one person to write it. it could, but they don't have to be in a studio together. Snoop, busy as so on. You know what I mean? So I wrote the story. I was able. So it's funny because I was I I wrote it. And and then you know like I just did one all track of being Snoop, so I turned into Snoop and I would I wrote it sounding how I hear Snoop when I around Snoop, yeah. and, and I knew Nip, you know what I'm saying? So I I wrote it purposely knowing how Nip and his neighborhood talk, and the coolest part I wasn't there when they laid that shit, but there's a ref of me doing all those parts, and they pretty much sound. I mean they made it sound obviously. Ten thousand times better but they nailed the timing the the word they that like it's they killed it especially nip because i wrote his shit it's flocking is when you do robberies and and it's really a thing that really only they neighborhood used to say flocking so when i say that part like his delivery on that part is spot on like it's exactly how i wrote it but like it's like being the dopest actor, he killed, like he he going an Oscar just for how he said it because I know his hood. So I, I was like, it geeked me out because everybody had the freedom to change up, you know, mm-hmm. whatever they wanted to, but he did it just like it because I captured that voice, but he did it. So I, I, it always makes me happy. Like, yo man, uh, having him feel comfortable enough First of all, all of them to have enough faith in me to to, to let me sure. pin the story was was really cool and to trust it and not be like, nah, man, I'ma say, you know, whatever. They they like, nah, that's dope. Let Raz write this yeah. shit. You know what I'm saying? And 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 then they delivered it perfectly. Like they killed that record. It was, it was one of my favorite things. This thing's those are the things I like to do. Like I said, executive, produce, write, you know what I'm saying? Especially if it's some conceptual shit like that. It was highly conceptual. If it would have just been, you know, living in LA, then great. You know, you can all talk about it. But this was like we had to tell a a story, and and uh, everybody killed it. But Nip just, damn, you like his whole personality, just everything with it was so lit. Sure, sure.
0: I mean, what was it like on the on the set of the uh, music video? Super
1: fun, man. Super fun. uh, I just you played a, a cop. I think you played a cop didn't you well I wasn't supposed to be in the video so I wrote that part for Eminem right or I really wrote it for Travis Barker. Well Eminem if possible, or Travis Barker thought it would be dope to have a tattoo undercover police officer. So I wrote that for Travis Barker. And then wow. like of course in our perfect in its perfect world, Eminem. So I wrote it for M. Yeah. Um that's why it's that little nasal tone. He just kept my original. So I was trying to do a, like a little Eminem thing on it. Um, um But M couldn't do it and Travis couldn't do it. So then he's like, Well, you got to be the cop. I'm like, Really? I don't want to be the cop. <laughs> um, but, you
2: know,
1: I'm like, All right, fuck it, I'll be the cop, bro. My dad was a police officer. So I'm like, fuck it, I'll be my dad. I'll channel some of my father. Like yeah, so so it was fun, and then, and the and, and the fun part was, uh and them know I don't smoke weed, and so when on our first take, because I'm, that's basically I'm pulling them over for smoking weed. Yeah. What's the, in that cigar? Medical marijuana officer. Uh, I got a weed car. Yeah. you know. Uh, uh, so when we did the first take, actually, because Daz is in the passenger seat, I think. And uh, no, no, banner banners in the car. But I took it, I took the cigar, the weed from me, smoking it, and I hit it. And he, know I don't smoke weed, so it's funny. He stayed in character because as soon as they said cut, he like, oh, he told it, he, did, he told Daz because he's like, Rash can't smoke weed, cuz like, I only do that shit once, I like, did that for the shot. That so was really, it, that, that was fun, just, to, you know, dog i up, like Snoop, Snoop was tripping, like,
2: ah, this s- smoke, for real. I'm like,
1: yeah, you know, it, it was cool, man, a lot of brotherhood, man, and, uh, you know, um, those are, like, my happy moments in hip-hop, like, to be amongst, you know, people I really look up to, accomplished so much, really awesome, super talented, and, and still had that camaraderie as as peers that I look up to because I look up to Tupac and I look up to Dog and, you know, I look up to Banner and accomplish all this shit, man. It's something to be able to salute somebody for. And Nipsey too, just, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, we all out here, you know, chasing our dreams and, and trying to accomplish, you know, and get our money right and get financially solvent and all that. So if you could do that and keep a positive attitude and not be an asshole, that's even like it's kind of rare, you know what I'm saying.
0: What advice would you give to artists coming up to in today's?
1: Uh, my my advice is, in today's world, I I'm not sure if I have any advice for it because I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand how to get popular in this world.
2: Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't. My advice is is probably do this 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 would be my advice I was going to say this too uh, th- this is a very uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for <laughs> rap is a woman that f- everybody and you keep asking her to marry you. And I, I find myself constantly asking her to marry me and she's fucking everybody. Mm-hmm.
1: So I have to accept that. I wouldn't accept it in my personal life, but this is the mistress that fucks everybody. You know, you know, been loyal to her for, you know, 25 years. Um, she's fucking everybody. Doesn't mean, you know, hope, hopefully one day she'll, you know, she'll, she'll she'll love me as much as I love her. And, and you gotta love this, this, this hip hop thing, this culture, sure. to take that kind of abuse. <laughs> but I know a lot of people too, that really love her. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what we do. Um, you know, you be prepared for some heartbreak when you when you when you're trying to date this.
0: What what's next for us, cals Any you know any plans for this year or and beyond that you could let us in? Yeah.
1: <laughs> we'll be touring. I'm trying right now. We're trying to. Uh, Lock in uh, our release date. We'll be waiting on a couple of a uh, couple of one more song to do, but the gutter album is G U T T R, so we're dropping the gutter album. That's uh me R J Payne, produced by Havoc from Mob Deep, okay. so that's that's next. Um, which is definitely gonna scratch an itch for me to just do some grimy. Sh- and then uh, me and, like I said, me and Fred that's a whole project, whole 10-song uh, project. Me and um, me Fredro, I'm sorry, me and Dr. Dro are going to, uh, we're doing, it's like five songs. We're just going to do like five song uh, maxi singles, some EP. Sure. And uh, it's just grimy. I don't, maybe we'll just call that shit grimy, no, guttering grimy. Can't do that. I don't know what we're going to call it. But it's fun. Cause I just love Fred. He's really a Dr. Dre. Like he is, he's got vision and I, I don't normally lock in with just one producer uh,
2: for a project, Sure, uh, but I'm having fun. Uh, I've
1: committed to doing a couple in the next year, a year or two, like these small things like, um, After Apollo, uh, that was really, really fun. So, um, Just bring something else out of you when you just lock in with one person. It's not my reality for an album. I don't normally like for a Raskin's album, I don't normally do just one producer just because I have different feelings and different emotions. But yeah, for the most part, just look for the gutter, man. The gutter is coming. Oh, I'm sorry. And we got something called Bar Rescue, me and Twiz, that we did, which is super artsy. So it's Twiz kind of like it's a Twiz versus Rascas type thing. So, Twiz is sick with the beats. He's actually uh, originally from the UK too. Um, so,
0: was that the the producer who's in the studio yesterday? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, wow. so that's Twiz the pro. So we we got something called Bar Rescue. Sure. Um, and Twiz is an ill wavy producer. He does like a lot of Husking Pin and Evidence stuff too. Whatever, he's dope. So uh, yeah, we got an ill project. We 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 may be doing it on a on a UK or or at least a European label. Uh so we, yeah, because I'd love for it to be an import into America. Sure. It's just got a different feel. And like I said, he, he's originally from the UK. So uh
2: course,
0: It'll be it'll be awesome to see you back over at Rascals. Did you say you was coming over in April, did you say?
1: Uh, that, I got a call yesterday I believe it's April it, 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 yeah. I think L.O.G. goes out May and then I'm supposed to come out April.
0: Wow, wow I'm, I'm definitely at that show Definitely at that show, bro
1: And then hopefully, yeah, whenever Onyx runs out, then uh, hopefully that should
2: be one of them too.
0: Sure, wow Wow, look forward to that, really look forward to that. Raz, it's been an absolute honor to uh, speak with you yeah, this evening you know, you- Thank you, brother just give you give you your flowers, you know your absolute legend. You know, just keep keeping hey. that real hip hop, you know that real hip hop, that, that vibe that you've got, the positive vibe. You know you you're very humble and just I just want to give you your flowers and thank you for joining us on joining us on Hip Hop Twenty Four.
1: Thank you, man. This is Raz Cash. You are now tuned in to Hip Hop Twenty Four, Hip Hop Worldwide.